0: What's good with everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Who's Podcast. I just want to say for me, I'm happy to be back in front of a camera. I've done a lot of pre-recorded content beforehand. I had some sickness with my asthma, but we're officially back covering basketball. And on today's episode of the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the San Antonio Spurs. I'm very hyped to be talking about this. I did an earlier conversation before preseason started with Spurs fan Evan, he knows a lot about his Spurs basketball, he's very excited, but obviously I have to include this before we get to the conversation, Victor Wimbiana has been spectacular through his first preseason games, he's been a marvel to watch, his defense is legit, offensively he's doing all the right things, he's leaking out, he's getting contact dunks, he's making... Reverse floaters, layups. He's just been a spectacular marvel to watch. And the confidence that he has to find his shot, find his spots on the floor has been great. And his defense has been spectacular. And again, for Wemby, for me, it's going to take some time for him to fully develop his frame to where he can fully transition to being a five man. Even though I think functionally, based on his size, it just makes the most sense to have him in that position. Victor has been outstanding. In the OKC game, which was crazy, how we got a chance to see Chet versus Wemby and how just dope that was to watch. What I saw from Wembiana in terms of switchability, I mean, Jay Jay Dub, right? Jalen Williams, he got Wembyana on a switch. And he faked one way, went the other. Absolutely embarrassed Wimbiana made him turn his back to him and for the 99th percentile of other players in the league you got beat and you gave up a layup and J-Dub broke him to where he's literally facing the other way he gets to the basket and in one motion Wemby goes from this to a help side rotation to the rim and he blocks his shot after being beat Like, the length on this guy is just ridiculous, and the shot-making and confidence with the team that he's just now starting to play with, he can be a very good player, a very good player. And that's why on this thumbnail, obviously, it has him saying he's the future, because I truly believe he is the future of the league. And it's kind of funny, because if you're watching this on YouTube, I have a video from like months ago where I'm talking about bowl-bowl as the future, and not necessarily bowl-bowl the individual player, but the size and skill in the NBA, where that's going in the league, how you're seeing multiple players come in at like 6'9", 6'10", 6'11", with true ball-handling skills and playmaking skills, but also just a complete three-level score package. And I feel like there's a lot to credit to that evolution and growth, obviously, what we've seen Kevin Durant do at his size with his shot making has influenced a new generation of hoopers but the idea of size and skill and being able to do everything is really the LeBron and KB effect where you have two wings for the most part who can create offense with the ball in their hands get to their shots and create for others like K another great example even Luka Doncic like a a prototype of a Harden slash LeBron type of mode where you're just creating offense from the wing position. You're seeing these things for the league more and more each year. Each year, Paolo Banchero, who we talked about in our previous Magic podcast, is another example of the size and skill coming. And with Victor and Chet, they have the potential to be some of the best bigs we've ever seen, especially since they're so young, like 19, 20 years old, coming into the NBA. At a time where sports medicine is the best it's ever been, and athletes' careers are being extended longer than we've ever seen because of it. So, I'm super excited to see how this pans out for Victor and for the rest of the league. But, getting back to this podcast, of course, in this specific episode, we will be discussing everything San Antonio Spurs basketball. And me and Evan talked briefly on the last season for the Spurs and how things went for them in terms of their masterful tank, the DeJounte murray trade and all of the positive benefits that we saw from those places i gotta say for the spurs man for you to tank the way that they did was elite because they were still competitive at the start of the season they still beat a lot of good teams they just found the right time to you know completely fall off and get that pick and obviously in sports it's kind of weird how sometimes the right play for your franchise is to lose lot of games because truthfully no one wants to lose in theory every team is trying to make moves to put themselves in a better position to win a title and sometimes doing that is losing games and for the spurs to find a way to keep the guys confidence levels up while also losing games to get a generational talent like victor i think that type of balance has to be commended because it's very hard to have both of these things exist at the same time but still maintain the culture of winning that we've known the Spurs to have. And even though they haven't won anything and they look pretty bad ever since DeMar DeRozan left, we have seen the fundamentals and like the great aspects of basketball still be taught through and through their organization. So for me, I was saying it before the draft, if Victor Wimbiana ends up as a San Antonio Spur, we're talking about a guy that's going to a great franchise that has the positioning and has the history of knowing what to do with bigs at that size. But the skill set is something we've never seen before. So the Spurs have to do something different where it's not just trying to fit him into the system, but really working around his talent and making it fit and making it work with your franchise. You cannot just stifle his talent by saying, okay, Victor, you're just gonna be the traditional big, no more pull up threes, no more shots off the bounce, just rebound, do post hooks. But they can still add the fundamental side to his game even more on top of his outlandish skill. And when you think about what that projects to be, we're talking about one of the best players of all time. And obviously, he has yet to play a single NBA regular season minute. But if the preseason is any indication of what we're seeing so far from Victor, he is just untenable and it's very hard to deal with him. Now, I think he's more efficient when the ball is not in his hands, and he's being more so a play finisher where he's attacking closeouts, he's leaking out of transition, he's finding uh, catch-and-shoot opportunities or if he's curling off the screens. But the confidence and the flow, like the way he dribbles the ball and the way he gets lower, that's the skill part of his game. So it's gonna be fun this year, seeing how that pans out, how that plays out. Let me know in the comments if you're gonna be tapping in into Spurs game this year. I know I will, I'm probably gonna even go see Victor when he comes to Detroit, gotta do that. Obviously, DeTroit, Victor Wambiana, the Detroit-French connection is slightly there, so I'm down for that, but yeah, I've said a lot. I haven't been live in front of a camera, not doing any pre-recorded content for some time now, so I'm gonna officially transition into the episode. If you wanna support, Make sure to tap into this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. I know we've been gone for some time, but again, I had some health concerns coming up and I needed to handle those things, so we did that. But officially, we're back. I'm going to be spamming a lot of podcast content because the NBA starts in literally 10 days and we still have like six to seven teams to cover until that time is officially here. So I'm locking in. Appreciate y'all's support. Let's get right to it what's good with everybody welcome back to another episode of the gift Who's podcast as you can see i'm wearing the same shirt from the previous brooklyn episode and that is because we are doing these pods back to back the grind don't stop but i would like to welcome everyone to episode 35 that's right 35 of the gifted who's podcast where i'm joined here by a passionate spurs fan and we're talking about spurs basketball evan feel free to say hello to the people
1: Yo, what's going on? Um, Evan Townsend's been doing this uh, Spurs media, you know, uh, nonsense for a couple of years. Uh, also cover the uh, NBA draft as well. So uh, yeah, man, just happy to be here. Happy to happy to be here to have me.
0: Happy to have Evan on here for this podcast because I think for the Spurs you need to have a delicate understanding of vision and direction, but also cap space, contract extensions, and things of that nature. And there's a lot to talk about with the Spurs. For the people listening, I understand that some of you might not be hip to Spurs basketball. Some people might not be invested in Spurs basketball, but I think with Victor Wimbiana going to the San Antonio Spurs and the path line that they have uh, planned out for that vision, I think it can make for a great conversation. So make sure to tap into this podcast. Also, on the audio platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, make sure to tap in five-star, all those things. It helps the channel grow as well on YouTube, but let's get right into the conversation. So I'll let you know this right now, right? For me personally, this podcast, what I've been doing, I've been covering all 30 teams. And for the San Antonio Spurs, this is the team that I have been excited to get to and talk about, because obviously, they have the number one pick of pretty much all number one picks for a lot of people, a potential generational superstar in Victor. But before we get there, for all these podcasts, what I like to do is guide us to that moment. And I think we have to talk about before this, is the job the Spurs did in moving off of DeJounte Murray and getting (laughs) the assets beforehand to put them in place to surround Victor with good players, potential assets, and also to get Victor after the 2023 season. What were your thoughts headed into 2023?
1: Yeah, so this DeJounte Murray debacle was really like the highlight of a lot of people's, um, let's just say, (laughs) <laughs> There's their discourse on, on online last year on Twitter. It was, it was a big deal. Um, a lot of people were confused on just what was going on. He never really spoke out uh, disrespectfully about the franchise. Right, right after the season, he was literally just tweeting uh, memes and actual screenshots of like his uh, his, his, his Seattle brother uh, Zach Levine uh, trying to like recruit him to come to the Spurs before his, he got his, his extension with the Bulls. And, um, you know, I was, was well, he was an all-star, he represented the team well, he, he spoke well, he did anything and everything he was supposed to do. Um, you know, he's pretty much like the quiet, you know, all-star replacement that had room to grow and everyone kind of respected him. He was in the same arguments and people were having arguments online of, oh, would you take DeJounte Murray or Darius Garland or LaMelo Ball? And now that's kind of been clear. I'm not saying that's on, the Spurs—it's the Spurs' fault. It's the Hawks' fault. We're talking about the trade now, but um, it was great value for that trade. Uh, four four picks. It's, it's three that are that are unprotected, but you know that last one could obviously convey. And um, you know, it's going to be a good while for those picks come to town if they actually do um, stay with the San Antonio Spurs. I know people are a lot, like to say that you know, when are they going to you know put all the chips on the table and you know get some get maybe some help and not stop you know, result into the draft, but it's going to be a few years. And I think that those 2027 20, picks and beyond are going to be super clutch. But um, real quick, you know, I know a lot of people like to compare how who got what for this package and who got what with this CBA, but it was a great trade and Brian Wright did it, did his thing. Um, he's been the GM for about three years now going on four seasons. Um, you know, he didn't have the best 10 years in the, in the previous two teams. He was uh, at least having some type of word in uh, on management, but but now he's he's done a great job. Um, the only, only player besides Danilo Garnar and three picks that was on the table that didn't actually come to fruition besides John Collins was Aneka Okongwu. And you know, that could have been something. Maybe we could have thrown a little bit more picks at it, but you know, he's not too greedy. You know, Brian Wright did a great job and um, obviously wave Danilo got in position to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. I know a lot of people hate to see uh, their team lose, but, you know, you got to throw out a a lineup of Devontae Graham, Stanley Johnson, Don Barlow and and Gorgie Ding every now and then, you know, you got to just tank for the rest of them. And um, obviously you got the number one pick. Everyone was talking about, oh, where does he where does he need to be for the big media and for where it's prepared for him? Right. We want, want to be a Spur all along. You know, he said that himself many times. It's not just like the Tony effect. It's not just the French connection. You want to be with the franchise and, you know, it's 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 just set in stone. Literally, the you, you, I know you remember all the, the crazy stories about how the superstition from um, people's birthdays being on lottery day from Spurs management or... You know all the kind of good stuff, but hey, I think the Spurs knew about it way beforehand. They have a half a billion dollar facility. They're opening up for training camp tomorrow. Half a billion dollars, man. Half a, yeah, half a Crazy. And it's the Victory Performance Center. Yeah, it's just it's it's just it's, it's it was set in stone, man. You know, it's a set in stone. So um, a lot of these things, um, a lot of people are you know, from the Spurs fans' perspective, they're worried about how they can build around the team and how they can possibly. Uh, get in position to where it's not like a situation maybe like Luca, possibly in the next few years or another disgruntled star but um you know he says you know he wants to win um he has a lot of his personal uh friends uh in and around uh in his life in San Antonio they just got a house out there supposedly according to one of my friends so he's 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 set in stone man he's 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 welcome there he's done all the right things said all the right things Uh, as of late and um, and yeah it's super exciting man preseason is less than a week away so
0: so yeah super exciting see I gotta say this man the Spurs for years for years Evan the Spurs have always been a calculated franchise and what I gotta say is for you to get rid of DeJounte Murray when he's at the peak of his powers it feels Mm. like such a Spurs move because you're getting value at the right time because realistically I don't think the Spurs wanted to sign him to a long-term extension that he was looking for. You trade him at the perfect time where now that problem is on Atlanta, not the Spurs. And you get not one, not two. You get three unprotected picks in that deal with value coming back. Not to mention the Spurs being genius and drafting Sohan, which I think Sohan really projects to be this this like wingish type that can play super physical defense. This nice mm-hmm. four man who could potentially space out to, to the corner, but fit in perfectly to the idea of what they're trying to build before mm-hmm. Wemby takes that next step in terms of being like that true five. But like you said, not only do they do that, but then coming into the season, it's the it is the perfect time to make a move like that because by getting rid of of a player of the caliber of a Dejounte Murray. You're now putting yourself in a position where, okay, we can still try to be competitive, sure, but we're clearly gonna be tanking in a way to get Victor Wimbiano, who is this generational superstar that we've seen for multiple years. I remember the first time they showed him, he was super skinny. Everyone doubted how good he could be, all this and all that. And then a a year later from that, he's dunking all all over Gobert, and then he's playing overseas. Like It was crazy to see the hype around Victor and, and how big it got. But for him to go to Spurs, I mean, for the Spurs team, it's not like you're getting a guy that's from the States. You're getting an international prospect that grew up watching the Spurs, grew up watching Manu, Tony, all these guys, and feels embraced by the Spurs community already. So for him to be, like, fully happy to be there, and for the Spurs to have the genius to make a move, to make them worse in a position to get him, and then play out a season where you somehow find a way to not just get Victor, but somehow stay true to the Spurs' integrity of we're gonna fight. Like, I remember the start of the season, the the embarrassing upset that y'all gave to the 76ers who started this season off terrible, right? Like, that's what the Spurs did. And then you find the right pockets in the regular season to regress, slow down, lose more games, and still give Victor Bianca. Were you satisfied with what you, your team was able to accomplish in 2023?
1: I mean, of course, you know, you got the number one pick and, you know, it was, it was tough to watch at times, but um, overall, you, you, you were spot on with, with, your, with your take, man. When it comes down to it, the Spurs beat a lot of um, great teams. They were in the, uh, in the running and needed a fourth quarter closer um, without without a solidified one. Uh, Kelvin Johnson was taking 20 shots a game last year. Devin Vassell only played um, a little more than a quarter of the season. Um, and when it comes down to it, you know, without having a closer, a bunch of young guys and pretty much everyone being in evaluation mode and see if there could be a long-term pieces for this team, that was a lot of pressure, but, uh, with good, you know, just the good old Spurs basketball, the Spurs way, the classic, uh, we're going to wait until the last four seconds to get the best shot available, pass and screen away, uh, find your cutter, hit your cutter, always be available, get your, get the best shooters in their favorite corners and their favorite wing. Um, you know they were the one of the worst-rated defensive teams um, the past four years. Uh, before Dejounte, they were in the mix for being a playing team. We let them go, and now we're the worst team. Um, you, they only really improved in so many assets with uh, this coming year with getting Victor. Obviously, you know the player is going to take uh, more steps or bigger steps uh, in the progression for their development. But um, I'm looking at this team being in the tier one of their uh, of their rebuild. You got your number one guy, you got your solidified piece. We'll see how they can, how teams actually want to, how to scout him in terms of getting him off the ball, getting him discomfort. You gotta have ways to, you know, push him in in his, uh, put him in his favorite position to score. Well, if it's easy, like, how, how do you say it? Just not entertaining floaters or just easy buckets, dump downs, whether it's turnaround turn faders. We had Lamarcus Aldridge tweeting about how he wants to help him come back to the Spurs and be some type of mentor or coach. You know, he's going to be dominant in a couple of years, but the next few years are going to be interesting to see how they can uh, build around him. Um, people like to say who's going to be the starter between Kelvin or Jamie Sohan. People like to say who's going to be the second or third option. It's whoever's got the hot hand. Devontae Graham's on this team. He's a a six-year veteran who's been a journeyman for the past couple years, but he's probably going to be one of the best volume shooters from deep, from distance, not just from three, but from deep, deep. You know, we're going to run a four-out, five-out offense with Zach Collins, a 40% uh, three-point shooter from last year. It's a walking double-double. People forget that's a starting center in this league. Everyone likes to always, you know, give credit to the deep candidates, obviously in rankings. Whether it's Nicholas Claxton, Miles Turner, Jonas Valanciunas is popular with his teammates. This and that. Zach Collins is going to get a lot of attention this year. Zach Collins is a, is a true is a true uh, defensive menace. He was foul prone when he, when Pertle first uh, got traded and Zach Collins took a starting job. Um, we have a great depth all around in every position whether if it's uh, great shooters at that position. We have also great defenders for, that are substitutes for them. So the Spurs are, 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 are ready. In terms of how ready they are, they're not going to be a playing condition team, I, just, I don't think. They're not going to win more than 30, 35 games. Um, you'll see them surprise a lot of people with more of the national attention and once they get comfortable. And obviously, you know, training camp has just started. But these guys have been playing with each other all summer long. Uh, they, nobody was at a Rico Hines freaking run. Nobody was in New York at the five hundred dollar an hour, freaking elevated. What well, you know? I am talking about. Yeah, the place is taxed. We am worried about that. Just, you know, I, th- I think Victor. I think he dyed his hair uh, from so. Uh, I think he so. He sure did. Yeah, he d- he dyed his hair literally just to get to get out of the media's attention. Like I think he went to Portland one time for some Nike thing after the draft, after the after summer league. He went to a Nike Hoop Summit. Some I forgot where it was exactly. Like John Moran, a couple other uh, Nike guys were there. And then who? Uh, I think he went on vacation and that was it. He needed to be away. He's been in the media, bright lights, All even the Britney Spears nonsense. Remember that? All nonsense, dude. That was crazy. So That was crazy. Um, you know, he gained, uh, he said today in the the media press, he gained 15 pounds, 10 to 15 pounds. Uh, you can physically see it. Um, I know a lot of people don't like to allude to... Just a simple post of him stretching and him being able to be so elusive and and be able to to literally do the splits at seven, five, seven, three, whatever you want to say, with shoes, without shoes. Dude has an eight foot wingspan, eight foot wingspan. You saw Evan Mobley be a defense player of the year candidate his second year being just the anchorman next to Jared Allen who got defense player of the year votes as well. People like to remember the top three, but Jared Allen got votes as well. And think about it, next to Zach Collins, a stretch big, Charles Bassey's a little undersized, 6'9, maybe 6'10 with the right shoes. Um, lost a lot of ways, our backup big, he's gonna get 15, 16 minutes a game. He's gonna be ready. He has a little bit of, a lot, actually a lot to prove with his new guaranteed deal. So um, so yeah, man, you know, I know that's a long just take there, but in terms of just the trajectory for the team, it's it's not gonna be the most exciting team to watch. It's not gonna be the best and most fun uh, team to look forward to, obviously, besides uh just Wimby. Um, but when you look when you look past the next three four years, obviously you look at teams that are have a young core that's super exciting. The uh, like OKC, like Orlando, these teams are in like uh, the tier three or four. rebuild. We Remember we're at tier one. Give it a few years. We're gonna have an MVP candidate. We got a decoy candidate year one. We got a future All Star possibly maybe in the draft next year. You know who knows if we can do a soft tank. So um, it's gonna be exciting. It's, it's gonna be a super exciting time, man. Most definitely.
0: Yeah. So. You said a lot there, and I like what you said because, again, what you're focusing on are the – no, no, no. I love that because that matters because I think – sorry. I think for the Spurs, a lot of people aren't looking at the details with their roster. Mm. I think for Victor coming in, obviously, I think he projects to be a five. I know people Mm. want to do this thing where, oh, he's long, he should be a four. He should be a center. And I say this because where basketball is right now with his length, again, 8-foot wingspan, but also Mm. with what I saw him with my own eyes when I Mm. logged in the lead pass and watched him overseas, when I saw Mm. the way he was impacting the court when he was at the fight, when he was in those slots, when he was blocking shots from the paint to the perimeter quickly, when he was being switched out onto guards, that versatility is the future of the NBA. And I say this because we just saw the Denver Nuggets win a championship with their center as the best player on the court with their center as their focal point offensively as the lead decision maker for their team Victor Wimbiana while he might not have those same types of skills yet defensively he could be one of the best prospects we've ever seen in the game and If you compare that with what he can already do offensively in terms of having a turnaround jump shot, having the size to get from the, three point line to the paint in like two long steps with that stride and his understanding of how to make secondary passes. I think Victor Wembiana can be a very, very productive basketball player, but it takes time. A lot of people are are trying to put the pressure on Wemianni to where he has to come in and average 18 points. I disagree with that. I think Victor coming in needs to structurally understand the pace and the speed of, of the NBA game and understand how to slide in perfectly. So to your point, having Zach Collins be there as a guy that can provide a bigger presence with Wemby as he fills out his frame, as he gets stronger, makes a ton of sense to ease him in for his rookie year. But just because we're saying ease him in, let's not make a mistake about this. Victor day one will be a very impactful NBA player. I think you can make a legitimate argument that he can make an all defensive team in his first year. And I say this because the way he impacts the court visually With the size and the length near the basket, even on the perimeter, I think day one you're going to see those skills come in. The only question is, is he going to play 65 games in his first year? I don't know if the Spurs are looking for that to be their vision. I think they're going to be super patient and supportive of Victor's journey to the NBA, but if he's able to do that, that means his conditioning and the work that he puts in on his body, which is a unique NBA body. Again, we've never seen someone with these physicals be a perimeter type of player in this type of game, right? So for him, if he's able to manage those things and play that amount of games, you have to you know, assume that his conditioning is at that level. And if it's at that level, that means he's getting the reps. He's understanding the game more because people have to understand playing basketball, I know this sounds crazy, because. We should know this, right? But playing a lot of basketball is how you get better at basketball. Repetition is the answer for you to get better at many different things. So for Victor to come onto a Spurs team that has young talent, that has guys that can play defense and and fit alongside him, when he figures it out towards the middle part of the season, we could be talking about some special stretches where he's putting up like six blocks a game Eight rebounds a game, like just you know, nice stretches where he can fill things out as he goes. So for the Spurs team, they're in the perfect position to do that. And like you said, a soft tank could definitely be in the works. Which I don't even think the Spurs need to soft tank because I think the Western Conference is naturally that competitive to where they could just outright not win games, but they can still <laughs> have the competitive DNA to fight and you know instill that sense of confidence into the into the young players. And they already have confidence. I mean. I've heard players come out like we can make the playoffs and they should have that mindset and belief coming in. So I personally, while I agree it was hard for me to watch many Spurs games last year, for me at least, what I'm doing this year is I'm creating a spreadsheet for all 30 teams and I'm going to track exactly how many Spurs games I watch. And I really want to see the growth of Victor Lombiana. I really want to see the Devin Vassell, Victor a two-man game with the shooter that he is and the gravity that he bends to a floor. I want to see Victor attacking more closeouts off of the catch, being more decisive with the basketball because when he's doing that at that size, there's not many people that can get in his way. So, those are my thoughts on it, Evan.
1: No, For sure. I mean, you're spot on, man. Um, You know, time will tell with uh, a lot when it comes to Victor. A lot of people just don't know that he's never really played the center position except for like just ground level basketball before he came over to play in the pros when he was like 17. Um, uh, he was at, he was on Tony Parker's old team Asheville. before he came over to Mets 92, which is Boris Diaz team, which is so fun. His first connection, like I said, it was always there. It's but, crazy. You know, <laughs> he, he, he thrives being just as a, uh, just a ball hunter um, in all aspects, whether if it's, um, you know, being a, the secondary guy like Evan Mobley um, recovering for Jared Allen or obviously just being um, you know we're, we're possibly going to see some small ball five I'm not going to count it out he's either seven five and our center depth while it isn't the best I was giving Charles, uh, Charles Bass his love uh, Sandra Mamasquivelli he like of that three three times fast he's not the best rim protector at his either he's probably going to be a little bit more of like a face up forward Maxi Cleaver Dwight Powell type of guy but you're looking at a um Just a freak of nature that's gonna control every single every single play. I'm talking like every single play. So he's gonna try we're gonna push him for 30 minutes, right? Just push. Maybe 27, 28, 29, right? But he's gonna push 30 minutes, right? That's 70% of the game, right? 70% of the game. 60%, right? Fair, right? So if we if he's on the court 60% of the 60% of the game and on defense, every single play is being affected, he's gonna throw his arms out. We have, we have, we obviously, you know, we'll figure out who's going to be the last wing defender. Obviously, Devin Vassell isn't just quite the quite the best. Uh, Trey Jones is above average. He gets a lot of steals. Jamie Sohan is, is a defensive menace. He may not start, but he's going to get started 11 minutes if it's not Keldon, who technically is one of the worst-rated defenders in the NBA, just because people were attacking him last year. Just because. They were attacking him. They knew. They knew. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how, how it plays out. Um, I, I expect a small ball five lineups with Jeremy Sowen, an all-forward lineup with the new uh, newly acquired Seti Osman, who made the mm. team apparently. People are excited to see him. He has just as much love with his Turkish fans, seemingly on Twitter, just as, as, as Wimby. So Spurs so, did a great job, man. You know we or they have a really bad defensive team the last honestly ever since White left. I'm not gonna lie to you. Has been in the 25 and below tier ranked ever since. Even when they're in a playing team, um, you know, Jonte, uh, Murray, Derek White—they're not walking through that door. Obviously, you know, having uh, Wimby is going to change a lot of things. But we have to fill out that rotation and only play nine to eleven guys at most. It's not going to be open tryout runs for a lot of people. It's the next man up, and when people are injured, and, hey, you better show you better <laughs> you better be ready. So. Um, a lot of, uh, I forgot how many total, but there's way, there's n- yeah. times the amount of national games the Spurs are going to have this year compared to last year. I think they had one, if not if I'm mistaken, on TNT or one of those other, uh, uh, yeah, uh, tele- tele- televised. I'm going to play. see Victor
0: play too. When he comes to Detroit, I'm buying tickets <laughs> and I'm watching that experience. I'm doing that for sure. For sure,
1: oh, for sure man. Uh, we'll... we'll, we'll, we'll We'll have to talk about that. I think um, I'm gonna I'm going to a lot of the games out down here in South. Like so, like OKC okay, next week, and then New Orleans um, in a couple weeks. But um, all the Texans games, of course. But hey, um, man, we're we'll probably at the host of space afterwards and like that. It's good. It should be fun. Um, I think yeah. um, I think uh, when it comes down to it, just the overall look, and I'll close this take out in here in a sec. Overall look for the Spurs is basically to see who's going to be. Um, uh, fulfilling this solidified role for the long term. Obviously, Wimby's the number one. Let's just compare him to Luca, right? He's gonna have a Luca Doncic type impact his rookie year, and then year on and year on, mostly, mostly on the defensive side, obviously, right? But let's let's put it let's call it spade to spade, right? Yeah. We know Jeremy Song has not gone anywhere, right? Devin Vassell just got his his back, his extension, 27 million, hallelujah! Shout out to CAA, shout out to you, shout out to y'all. And you like to think Trey Jones is a backup point guard who's not as good as his brother, but he's on the he's on a better trajectory for his brother year by year. Uh, just doesn't shoot the three ball as well. Um, but when you think about it, okay, so let's imagine who's going to be the starting center for the future? Is it Zach Collins or is he going to be a backup? The Spurs were in the mix for trading for or signing Burke Lopez, but he took. Yes. Two, oh man. Two, Two more million to be back with the bucks. Okay, screw you, Austin Reeves. Took ten less million to go for back to the. I understand, like a boy is cute. You know what I'm saying? The Taylor Swift rumors, whatever, blah blah blah. But dude, like, you could have. I get it. I understand. I was I was really looking for. I was honestly setting stone on that. I thought
0: Austin was a spur. I really,
1: yeah, I, I, I thought it. You know, he can. This is state taxes, man. You get to keep all your money. I know that shoe deals are crazy out there. They go crazy for overseas, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, and then, you know, obviously the Nas Reed rumors were real. Uh, yeah, we got about nine minutes. The Nas Reed rumors are real. And then also, um, what else, man? Who else were there in the, in the rumors for? I think that was it. Everything else was pretty much smoke under the water. They, they kind of wanted just to let the old, I, I, I hate to say old, dead weight go, but uh, KDB's Diop is probably going to be the starter, for the, uh, for the Suns. He may be the fifth starter. Right. Very well could be. And that would have never happened with the Spurs. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, you know, he, he, he's he got his moment now. So um, I know we got a lot to talk about with mean, a little time. But, yeah, man, um, it's it's going to be a long season. But, you know, we'll see how many games Victor plays. He's not as injury prone as like, people like to believe. A lot of the stuff that happened to him two years ago was before he met all the best professionals in the world has has when he goes on the bench people massage him. when he goes down to, uh, to the training camp yep. or to the training facility he has people waiting to massage his feet arms legs neck back everything so yeah not just that 500 facility it's a whole 500 million man right there as well so we got to make sure he's <laughs> he's taken care of so so yeah you know it's it's all it's all just you know to be decided but it's super exciting so
0: yeah, yeah. I am excited to be watching Spurs basketball this year. Um, I got to see exactly how many games of it I will be watching, but I will be, you know, dedicated to, to watching it way more than I did last year. I think the Western Conference is tough. I know that there's not much time left on this recording, but but I do have to ask you this question. Make mm. your case, and I will clip this, make your case for why they will still be better than the Rockets. <laughs>
1: I hate how this is a thing. I truly do. I truly do, and I really hope this will get clipped. I'm sorry if I really made this whole ordeal with the Rockets a huge thing. I've been just laying low on Twitter just because, man. I've been getting sh- every every so often, no matter what it is, no matter what it is in the news. I have to get a Rockets just troll page in my mentions just going crazy. But shout out to them. Shout out to Will, uh, Jada Basad, everyone that I was climbing with. over. Big the salute. It was it was cool. It was fun. There's no there's no. <laughs> <laughs> There's no hard feelings, and literally when it comes down to the Rockets, they were one of my uh, favorite teams to look forward to in the future. Obviously, um, you know, the rumors were there before uh, before July even happened. They were going to get Fred Van Fleet uh, and Dylan Brooks after the uh, Imei Doka signing. Uh, the James Harden thing was, you know, a possibility, but once Imei came to town, they knew that was going to be debunked. Um, they have a great team. Uh, from their one through nine rotation now, it – necessarily in talent it doesn't necessarily match up quite exactly with the spurs when i say that there's guys that are defensive menaces that they have that are super athletic and we just have shooters in in depth right they have some of our our, our old uh, old weight with uh with uh jock Landell. we know all this this best moves we we're gonna have charles Bassey dominate. Hey, I'm, I'm, let me let me stop let me stop let me stop let me stop it's going to be close. It's going to be close. I like to think that the two preseason games are going to be in regular season mode. We have, we face them back to back next week um, and it's going to be super fun. I know a lot of people are looking forward to that. And then we uh, we played them the first week of the season as well, uh, you know, right before Halloween. So. Um, so, yeah, man, I like to think that that space, I hate to even allude to it, but I like to think that that space with, with, uh, with when all those Rockets fans kind of alluded. To maybe that rivalry kind of being ignited, and the league kind of took notice. It was the—I hate to even take even amend to that because it was crazy. I really wish I didn't do it, but that was one of the most crazy NBA moments all all offseason. I hate to, yeah, it was just all around just a just, <laughs> just a crap show. But it was super fun, and I'm glad we glad we did it. But um, we'll we'll see. I think like they're in the same tier. I, I saw a power ranking of the Rockets being the 19th best team and possibly making the play-in race. I don't necessarily think that they're that good. We'll see how good Jalen Green is. We'll see if Sangoon is the number one option compared to him. If they can be a 1A, 1B. Uh, Dylan Brooks is a great defender, but let's hope he doesn't shoot them off the radar. So, you know, we'll we'll see.
0: Yeah. Overall, man, I am excited because the state of the Western Conference, there's so many good teams. There's so many good plot points with all of these teams, the Spurs are no different than that. And I firmly believe that the execution of the Spurs 23 season was very efficient, where you're instilling confidence in your players early, you're beating competitive teams early, and then you bottom out elitely by not playing, you know, certain players on certain games. I think there's a real strategy to rebuilding your team. And for the Spurs to choose the perfect, like literally the timing of it is so calculated because they knew they wanted Wimbeata, You trade your player after he makes the all-star game, like peaks at this high level. And now you have something going for you. Like that, that, that really means something to the Spurs team and their organization and their fans. So me personally, I'm not a Spurs fan, but I'm a basketball fan on this podcast. I've been covering all 30 teams. So I like having you on here today, Evan, obviously we got to chop it up more during the season for more Spurs, talking things of that nature. We got a lot of NBA content coming for sure. Please have been with Evan. This man knows his stuff. He watches basketball. He does film as well occasionally here or there. So big shout out to Evan for that. But for this first team, I think Victor is going to be a marvel to watch. He's going to be one of the best stories in the NBA, regardless of what team or player you individually support. And everyone is going to be curious in terms of how he's going to translate. He's going to have some plays where he gets dunked on. They're going to be like, oh, this is the He's he's. He's not that good. He just got ducked on. And, and then the next game, he might put up 35 and 15, and everyone shuts up, right? Like, I mean, you have to have patience with these rookie players and me personally for Victor, considering how special he is on defense and what his offensive skill set can look like. I think things can be truly, truly special. And I'm excited for that. And that officially was 31 minutes with the Spurs. That was crazy how we got all of that crammed up into 31 minutes. Evan, no. I appreciate <laughs> having you on here for real, for real. And I will be having you back on sometime during the season to dissect how the season is going for sure. What are your final expectations for the Spurs?
1: Um, this to be in for a while in the playing race, but to ultimately not make the, not make it. Um, for Wimby to be in the Rookie of the Year race, but possibly not make it due to not playing 65 games. Um, I see Devin Vassell taking uh, that step to where obviously people pay attention to know who he is. Today was very really disrespectful uh, to his name. A lot of people were saying that he wasn't worth his contract. I know five years is a lot with, a, with the new CBA, but hey, man, he's going to be showcasing that. He's i like to say he's, he's, he's this generation's Rip Hamilton. He's going to put up 24-4 and 4 the rest of his career, skinny, uh, skinny, uh, just movement shooting wing that can play two or the three. That's always going to be either the third option, the second option, or some nights, hey, we'll drop 25 and a half on you. You know what I'm saying? So, Devin Vassell is a, is a, a solidified stud. Sorry, I can get that out. And, you know, they have wing depth all around. Uh, I didn't show any love to, uh, to Julian Champenny. Julian Champenny was undrafted Champigny. last year. He's, yes. He was a, a little bit older. I know he has a brother in the league that people got him confused with. But, man, let me tell you, and man, him and Malachi, were, uh, Malachi Brandon were lighting up the summer league. These guys gonna be just lighting lighting up from three. Him, Doug McDermott, Devontae, Graham. You guys see our second units all around surrounding Wimby, double team, double team, corner three, just nothing but net, lighting up three or four, back to back to back to back in just in a quarter, you know? So the Spurs got shooters this year. So um it's gonna be super exciting. And um, yeah, man, I think that long term. Um, after after the season, they're gonna have around 30 million dollars to shed in cap space. You know, obviously they have their pick. They have two picks, maybe that can convey with uh, Toronto um, not making the plan or not making the playoffs, and then Charlotte uh, being a top. It's protected, so they, have, they we want them to do to, to, uh, to do well. Um, so if those convey our, our way, um, you're looking at three lottery picks possibly, man. And if the spread is gonna draft well. We're gonna do our research. We're gonna make sure you know everything is right and wrong with uh with who we're picking up and you, you, you think of it this way people are going to want to play with wimby and if we don't uh, sign any these free agents and we don't overspend you know hey we're gonna be rocking and rolling and we're gonna be on the okc timeline in a couple of years you know so yeah uh, that's what it's about man so so yes sir you already know
0: yeah well should be fun appreciate everyone that made it to this part of the podcast make sure to like comment and subscribe on youtube at gifted hoops evan Feel free to let the people know where you are.
1: Yes, sir. Um, I'm really just on Twitter or the the X app or whatever you want to call it. Um, It's going to be a fun uh, fun year for the Spurs. Also, I cover the draft, like I said at the beginning. Um, It's going to be – I know a lot of people are saying this year's draft sucks, but there's not really a solidified number one pick. But just you wait. These guys can really ball. A lot of uh, solid returners and uh, solid freshman international guys. So, yeah, super exciting.
0: Absolutely. Well, all of our links will be in in the description below. Make sure to tap into the audio version as well. I'll catch you guys in the next episode of the Get Through's Podcast. Peace out, people. Have a good one.